0: KBOO in Portland, Oregon. This is Religion for Life, religionforlife.com. I'm John Schack. Religion for Life explores the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. One of the tasks of spiritual maturity is to recognize that there are stages in one's life, stages of faith, levels of faith uh, that we move through. Um, we move through levels of dogmatism and literalism, to questioning those things, to hopefully moving beyond that to finding a larger awareness of what faith is. And my guest uh, talks about the importance of understanding these stages and moving toward a more mature level. Her name is Margaret Placentra Johnston, and her book is Faith Beyond Belief, good people who've left their church behind. And she's with me via Skype from McLean, Virginia. Uh, welcome, Margaret, to Religion for Life.
1: Thank you, John. I'm very pleased to be uh, on your show today.
0: Well, tell me a little bit about your your book. What are you setting out to do with this book, Faith Beyond Belief?
1: Well, I was setting out to um, try to point out to people that there's Another way, not that I'm such an expert, but based on readings I had done and feelings that I have, there's another way to approach faith other than having literal beliefs preached at you from a, a religious authority. And so um, I wanted to find a way to bring that out, to explain that to people in a way that ordinary people could understand. Because I believe the faith stages have been elucidated by lots of um, academics and, you know, highly, highly spiritual people, but I don't think they're written in such a way that the average person can understand them, and I was trying to bring it to a level the average person could understand.
0: Yeah, you quote uh, and and bring the, the uh, information from M, M. Scott Peck and James mm-hmm. Fowler, I remember I reading that book in seminary on stages of faith, and bringing mm-hmm. that to uh, a more general audience of how we can look at spiritual growth and and Keep moving on, moving ahead.
1: Right, and try to um, develop some kind of inner faith, not something dictated to you by, you know, uh, either, either by a holy book or by your preacher. I think mature spirituality has something personal and creative about it. It's not just dictated to you.
0: Yeah. Well, in your own story, uh, you talk about growing up uh, Roman Catholic and um, getting all the beliefs and then moving beyond. Can you talk a little bit about uh, your own spiritual path?
1: Sure, John. I'll try to make it quick because most of it's in the book. But um, So I was brought up Catholic, and for some reason in the the late 60s, when I was in high school, I think possibly in relation to Vatican II— The priests were telling us in our religion classes things like, well, there's no such place as heaven and hell, there are states of existence, and these were priests speaking. And they said, well, you know, Jesus, you know, when they say he's the son of God, that's just anthropomorphic language. It's just something they made up so simple people could understand it. Hmm. So here I was, a 14- or 15-year-old, being told that everything I had memorized in elementary school, you know, from the catechism in 1st through 8th grade, wasn't true so i was kind of blown away by this and very confused so i chose to attend for college um, the catholic university of america thinking well okay i need more training obviously because i don't know what to think at this age so i went to catholic u and there they were doing the same thing they were teaching us to question everything and you know we were encouraged you know we had to write these blue books every week on some ginormous topic like who is god or whatever and the, the priest teaching that course said, if you give me catechism answers, you're going to fail this course. I want original thought. <laughs> so I would took this very seriously. I would sit in the library for hours, maybe a whole day or two days, trying to write one little blue book about my answer. And uh, you go through that exercise for too long. You really question everything and wound up basically a non-believer. So... Um, I didn't know there was any other way to have faith other than through belief. And because I couldn't buy the story, um, (laughs) I just didn't have anything to do with religion for many years. Until I started running into these um, people who write about faith development, as you mentioned, M. Scott Peck was my introduction. He wrote a book just talking about these stages. I think the book that um, when I first heard about the stages per se was um, The Different Drum, and by m scott peck and he actually laid out these stages that he said he had divined through his practice of psychiatry in analyzing people he said you know you go through um where your your faith is dictated to you by the outer authorities and that's um i call it the faithful stage um Mm -hmm. missing what exactly he called it at the moment but um at that point, it's just about belief. It's just what you're told is true, and you just assume it and fine. And then the next stage is is somewhat more, even though it sounds um, like you're throwing the uh, baby out with the dishwasher. The next stage is where you say, "Okay, I'm questioning all this, and I I might believe this, but it, you know, reject that, or I might reject everything." And that is actually a way, a step towards spiritual maturity, but. So many of our religious authorities discourage this type of questioning that few people actually have the nerve to go through that questioning again. I was encouraged in my college theology courses to do this, and I'm very grateful um, that I was. But however, it created you know non-belief for me. It led me to being a non-believer. But then I heard that they're reading M. Scott Peck that there's another stage, a way of approaching faith that he calls the mystic stage. Um, That is, people, it's not so much about belief, but it's about recognizing the connections with all of the universe and connections among and between and among people and our connections with nature and animals. (laughs) <laughs> and it was like, oh, well, that's actually beautiful. It's not about punishment and hell and mm-hmm. you know, following rules. This is much more beautiful. So I said about studying that level of faith that Peck called more, um, more, more mature than the literal phase or the questioning phase. And then I was shocked to find that many other people have written about these stages. You know, James Fowler, again, probably the most acad- academic one. Um, so his book, Stages of Faith, I plodded through that. It was very hard to understand. And then I started running into a bunch of others. Uh, Ken Wilber, I mean, there's so many of them. Even all the way back to St. Teresa of Avalon, 16th century. And I saw the connections. They're all kind of describing the same trajectory, even though they use different terminology, and they're talking about different numbers of stages, and they describe it differently. But the kind of tremendous similarities in what all of them said. So... Although I don't consider myself at that mystic stage, I think I'm somewhere stuck between rational and mystic. I really have a lot of respect for that mystic level, and I'm trying to write my book that I wrote already is sort of trying to introduce people to that. And um, now I'm trying to write a second and a third book, perhaps approaching it from a different direction, but also trying to get that point across.
0: Well, You know, another thinker um, uh, along these lines is, is Marcus Borg, the late Marcus right. Borg, and he talked about right. uh, the naivete and then critical thinking and then kind of a post-critical naivete. So he put it in like three stages. But, um, exactly. But yeah, uh, either, either case, you go through critical thinking and then at the other mm-hmm. level, you come back and say, no, wait a second, let's look at the value of these stories metaphorically for the bigger picture mm-hmm. of life.
1: Right, right, exactly. So, so also that post-critical and all that um, is reminiscent of Paul, um, Paul Ricoeur, a French mm-hmm. philosopher. I think that's maybe where Marcus Borg got it about the post-critical and then the, you know, the critical and then post-critical Yes, I stages, think you're right. Yeah. Um, First
0: naivete. So uh, you, uh, in your book, um, Faith Beyond Belief, Stories of Good People Who Left Their Church Behind, it's a story of, of ten uh, individuals. How did mm-hmm. you happen to select these ten?
1: All different ways, and um, it's going to sound strange. Um, some of them I just knew, people I knew, and some people were friends of friends, and some people I met online, and some people just kind of fell into my life in a very odd way. The, the one I like to explain, <laughs> it was crazy. Um, my mother, who has passed away since, um, she, in her later years, she uh, needed the services of a psychiatrist. And so she went in and told her psychiatrist all about this book that her daughter was writing, and the psychiatrist assigned one of her other patients to write me her story. Hmm. And so the woman contacted me out of the blue and she said, um, so like my psychiatrist said, I have to write my story for you. <laughs> and I said, okay, let's see what you come up with, right? And actually the story was wonderful. It fit in. <laughs> so I used it. Um, there were some others that I met at a conference um, given by what was called Wisdom University Um something about the mystic path, and so they were just, uh, people would be talking about their own story, and I, oh, wow, that one has a story for me, you know, so I'd pull them aside and say, tell me. <laughs> so they were all different ways.
0: And they, uh, kind of yeah, and they were all, and you say they left their church behind, but not all of them were even Christian. I know that there was a Muslim, uh, uh, one of the people okay. there, but they left whatever, their, their institutional yeah. belief-oriented religion, and what they have in common is that they all grew,
1: Precisely. That's the whole point. It's not about one religion versus another. If this process is valid, this spiritual development process, it would have to apply to all religions. So in the book there is an ex-Mormon, there's an ex-Muslim, and uh, coincidentally several ex-Catholics, just the way it came across. But um, I think it could apply to almost any religion.
0: You know, what I really would think it was interesting when you talked about your educational system in the Roman Catholic Church. You talk, mm-hmm. They gave you all of the beliefs. Here, you memorize mm-hmm. the catechism, just do it. And then right. when you're an adolescent, they say, well, you know, yeah. none of that is exactly true. But then they right. just kind of left you. And it, they didn't well, help with that third part. Or is that something you're supposed to struggle on your own? So
1: I think they just didn't have it figured out yet, is, hmm. is my understanding. I understand they have reverted to not to teaching people to question. And I think it was just part of that late 60s, early 70s. You know, everything in our society was in uproar, and this was one of them. Um, and, and also, I think they were responding to Vatican II, which was about, you know, greater ecumenism and opening up with the faith towards the broader understandings. And I think they didn't realize or they didn't they didn't have the words to tell what we're supposed to do next. I think Fowler's work hadn't come out yet. And, you know, I don't know how definitively they accept Fowler's work anyway. But the point being, I think they were trying to lead us to something else, but they didn't know how how to do it. You know, they they didn't have the words.
0: uh And
1: Talking to people I went to school with, some of them just actually did just sail right past that questioning stage and said, OK, I'll embrace the larger picture. And, and others, as I did, just kind of
0: dropped out. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, so, what I see mm-hmm. with religion today, and I, and I don't know necessarily about the Roman Catholic in particular, but all of them seem to be kind of a circling the wagons, and make it, at faith is, a, you know, a shield, a protection, um, and religion is about, you know, you just kind of preach the same old stuff uh, to keep mm-hmm. people kind of in The same spot, and uh, rarely do we even have critical or even less than thinking beyond critical.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm a, uh, this is mystifies me. I don't mm-hmm. understand, unless it's just a dollars and cents thing, you know, one given preacher has to say his religion is better, otherwise, people will go down the street, and the people, <laughs> the preacher down the street, will get all the contributions. I don't know if that's why. Why they don't encourage people to grow, I just don't understand. Unless they don't themselves, unless they don't buy into this spiritual development concept themselves, I think that's also possible.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about um, this spiritual development and what what is uh, you 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 make the distinction in in the title of your book between belief and faith. Um, mm-hmm. What what is faith for some of the people that you've spoke to, or or some of the people that are 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 moving beyond. Um, Certainly, the belief part, but even even challenging the critical aspect.
1: So, this anything I say in response will be strictly my interpretation, okay. which could be very limited. My understanding may not be complete, but as I understand it, the larger type of faith, the broader faith, is more inclusive. In other words, it's not us against them. It's not my religion is right and all the others are wrong. But these uh, people at this level are more trying to find a way to integrate you know, everyone and, you know, believe, accept a type of faith that includes everyone and everything. As I understand it also, this mystic level of faith is more about trust than belief. So they're trusting that, okay, okay, I don't have to have the answers, but I'm here to make the difference I can in this world today. And, you know, for whatever good that does, that's why I'll dedicate my life instead of, I'm so worried about my salvation in the next life. <laughs> and I have to believe the right things, lest God punish me. I see that as, you know, more the immature level of faith and um, that the mature levels are more trusting.
0: Dr. Margaret Placentra Johnston, author of Faith Beyond Belief, Stories of Good People Who Left Their Church Behind, uh, is my guest on, on Religion for Life. And we're talking about the, um, as, as you wrote it, a spiritual development Theory. Um that is the idea that people go through various stages of belief and from one is kind of a lawless stage. This would be kind of the, the in the old terminology the, the the sinner, right? The person who doesn't really care for, uh, Mm -hmm. except one's own, you know, needs and desires, and then one can might move to a kind of a conversion experience, and uh, which we often have, and then they get right into, let's say, you know, church or something like that, and it's very belief-oriented, very literal, very black and white, Um, and many people stay there for a long, long time. And then, uh, and then perhaps uh, something might move them on to a critical thinking stage of um, uh, well, maybe these stories, you know, historical criticism of the Bible or whatever, and to start to doubt that, and, and our atheists. And you, you talk a little bit about, uh, about those folks. What, what do you think the contribution has been for the, the new atheists into, in this spiritual development of our, of, our, of our nation, let's say?
1: Well, it has certainly given permission to lots of their readers to question, you know, and to maybe accept what these new atheists have said. Um, and so I, I think they have encouraged people to not be such sheep, you know, not mm-hmm. just be such followers of the literal line. My, my issue that I take with the uh, new atheist writers um, th- is that they kind of leave it there. They don't offer people any way to move forward, at least the way I read their works they don't leave any way for people to see the bigger picture and move into a more broader type of faith. In other words, they're saying, okay, religion's ridiculous, science is our God, and, you know, there's nothing else. <laughs> so if that were the case, then why is it that every civilization down through the beginning of time has always developed some type of religion or spiritual practice or something? You know, what is it that drives people to develop this if, if you know, if none of it's true?
0: well you know God is, is, is a pretty it's a certainly it's a human word but it's a big word it can it can encompass mm-hmm. so many things it's encompassed some people think well do you believe in God and it's like well you mm-hmm. know it, that means in a very narrow kind of way believe in a supernatural being but mm-hmm. when you start to challenge that then God can mean um, quite a number of things what would what do, how what do, well we'll just ask it right out who or what <laughs> is God for you <laughs>
1: So, what a loaded question, John. <laughs> <laughs> um, I take tremendous issue. I, I mean, it's really hard for me to say because these people at this mystic level, and, and one reason I call myself, I say I'm fully there, is I will not use the word God, to, knowing that post critical people are calling it or are referring to a concept love, truth, beauty, or the uh-huh. connection in our life connection in the universe or or something other than a literal being and the pre-critical people are referring to this literal guy with a beard in the sky who's judging your every move and to me that makes a tremendous amount of confusion right and we need a different word Um, although Hmm. you know i understand that the mystics are trying to connect with the faithful level the literal believers and therefore they try to use the same word but it it makes for a tremendous amount of confusion and i find that disturbing i, I guess i'm so truth oriented that I'm, I'm like you know we should <laughs> we should not be making this confusion so i don't have the right word for you um, it, to me i would say that where i find um, meaning in life is you know through connection with individual people connection with my you know the world and universe in general connection with nature um, recognizing that, you know, I hate to use the trite phrase, we all are one. I mean, you could interpret that a million ways. But the point is that there is connection, and it's not just about, you know, how do I um, save my soul and how do I get saved in the next life. You know, truth, I mean, God, or whatever you want to call it, is is a representation of goodness, and how do I, you know, make my life count in this world? And... You know, respect the connections amongst
0: all of us. Well, what I what I get from your book is 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 really the permission and the encouragement to to go ahead and grow and to take those and to take those steps out there. So, and for example, in your own case, um, you came to a position where you've were at the rational, uh, critical stage, atheist stage, and then you were disturbed because you read people who said, "Wait a second, there's there's more to it than this." And and so the I, I thought it, I, what I am encouraged by your book is that don't stop wherever you are. There's mm-hmm. more. There's more to explore.
1: Certainly, there is, and and so much of our literal, you know, traditional organized religions seem to discourage this, and, uh-huh. and that's why I was trying, you know, to write a book that would say, well, let's look at the bigger picture. You know, let's not shut off a whole part of reality just because the priest or the you know minister said so. Um, or the Bible, you know, I mean, there's all different ways to interpret the Bible, and unfortunately, a lot of people are stuck at the literal interpretations. So, yeah, I was just trying to, people don't need me to give give permission to do this, it's just to do this questioning, it's just that I thought I would open up the box.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, but I often find that people, um, I, I often use that word, and others have too, that when people do it, that gives other people permission because there's this ceiling mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. you know I'm I'm not allowed to think beyond this step or and uh, and so sometimes we need uh, trailblazers to uh, uh, give us the courage to to go ahead and, and blaze some trails on our own. So what do you think about this mystic stage? I, I, uh, I, are are mystics rare? Are are perhaps all of us have the potential to be a mystic or are there a number of us? <laughs>
1: uh, I'm quite sure that all of us have the potential. What um, really surprised me was when I first heard about them, first read in um, M. Scott Peck's book, I I thought, I have never met one. I'm sure I've never met one. And then once I knew what or had some idea, some understanding of what, what and who they were, these mystics, I realized they've been around all my life. I didn't recognize them. You know, to me, everybody in religion sounded like they were from the literal line, and I didn't understand there was another way, and so anyone who used the word God, I thought, oh, well, you know, they're (laughs) one of those literal believers, and I never knew there was another way to look at it.
0: Uh, Dr. Margaret Placentra Johnston is my guest. She's the author of uh, Faith Beyond Belief, uh, Stories of Good People Who Left Their Church Behind. Of the stories of the ten individuals, you you had uh, folks who from the Roman Catholic tradition, from the Muslim tradition, from uh, a scientific tradition. Charles's story was one in which he uh, seemed to uh, have a, a sense of of larger awareness even as a child. So it isn't these stages. I guess I'm my question getting to isn't necessarily linear, is it?
1: No, I don't believe it is linear, and one thing I thought I would mention when you were bringing up earlier about the lawless stage, and then so the way I understand it is that these stages mirror normal human development, so mm-hmm. healthy children will go through that lawless stage at some early age and abandon it probably by the time they're uh, adolescents, um, and therefore then the faithful stage is appropriate, for a while. And then I think late adolescence, early adulthood is the most appropriate time to start into that questioning stage. However, there are tremendous variants. Some people never go to the questioning stage. Some people do it in their 40s or 50s. But when you talk about that lawless stage, it's not lawless in a child. It's lawless if it remains the predominant um, philosophy as an adult. So if you're still an adult and thinking the world is all about me, and it's just, you know, who can I manipulate to get what I want, and I don't follow the rules myself, they're not important to me. That's lawless as an, as an adult, but as a child, I think a 5- or 6- or 7-year-old child, I believe that's normal. So, of course, all of our experiences are so different that some of us are, you know, born into families that are going to guide us, you know, give us enough stability that we can start questioning, and other people who are born in very chaotic um, households or whatnot, or lifestyles, they really don't have enough to grasp onto to ever move beyond that lawless level. And so they wind up, um, you know, lawless.
0: You know, I'm wondering about uh, communities, um, because uh, once we might move through, if, if for example, you go to a, a, some kind of community and it's basically all pretty much reinforcing the belief stage, here it mm-hmm. is. Here are the rules again and again mm-hmm. and again. And you've mm-hmm. gone beyond that. And yet at the same time, you need some kind of community. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, even I'm thinking even uh, atheists have atheist church, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm wondering uh, if there's there's a, a need in society for regrouping again, uh, even at the mystic level or whatever, of coming back uh, and, and finding value in your own religion or in another
1: well sure but from what i understand in any given church you're going to have people at that mystic level but they quietly sit there next to the literalist and they don't say anything you know yeah. <laughs> they don't say we're different they just or they maybe even don't realize that there's a difference um so i don't know if you can have a community of mystics Because you can have mystics in christianity mystics in uh mm-hmm. you know any particular religion so What I would wish was that people recognize that within any given community, some people are more, you know, maybe I hate to use that word, but advanced spiritually, and maybe that's who we should follow (laughs) instead of being led by the literalists who preach hellfire and brimstone.
0: Well, you know, I'll, I'll just with with people of leadership communities. I mean, a lot of pressure is on. Don't don't challenge. Um, mm-hmm. your, your people, or you know, you'll you'll mess them up, or or whatever, and and so there's a lot of social pressure uh, to stay at the very bottom levels, and 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 not challenge people to think for themselves. And so, um, I think it's I think it's important for our society. I, I, that's what I'm gathering from you too. Uh, uh, to that, it's important for our society to be able to grow and to offer off uh, to think critically and and to move to a more sustainable, unified understanding of ourselves.
1: Well, you know, absolutely. I remember when my kids were growing up, if there was a group of children at all different ages, like all the cousins, they said the overall behavior of this group is going to sink to the level of the least mature woman. Right. So if you have that going on in religion, um, you know, as a nation, if, if if all of us are sinking to the level of the least mature type of faith or belief system, um, you know, that's not good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I wish we could find a way to allow people who are ready to go through that questioning and then r- realize that they don't have to stop there.
0: Dr. Margaret Placentra Johnston, my guest, the author of Faith Beyond Belief, Stories of Good People Who Left Their Church Behind. Just, uh, just a final question. Uh, the, what What do you hope people at the end of the day will take away from your book?
1: To recognize that this mystic and maybe not the best word to use, but that mystic level is something is a goal. I mean, maybe not everyone, you know, but for people can who can appreciate the value of this type of philosophy, you know, to realize that that's the goal to move towards those type of values held by the mystic.
0: All right. Well, Margaret, thank you so much for your book and for being with me today on religion for Life.
1: Thank you, John. I've enjoyed our discussion.
0: You've been listening to Religion for Life at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. My name is John Chuck. Find links to podcasts at religionforlife.com. That's religionforlife.com. Religion for Life is free to radio stations. Thanks to KZUM, Lincoln, Nebraska, WEHC, Emory, Virginia, and WETS, Johnson City, Tennessee, for carrying Religion for Life. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter download podcasts from iTunes. Religion for Life is produced by KBOO Portland. Do well.